Hello, everybody. Welcome to my podcast. This is Rachel Paling, and thank you for joining me for another podcast this week. And I have an amazing guest with me today who is located in Toronto, Canada, James Rice. Good morning, James. I think it's morning for you. Yes, it's morning for me. Good morning, Rachel, and hello to all the listeners out there. So, James, I'm thrilled. Um, we actually connected a few months ago, and I, I was really honoured that we came to be connected. And I'm honoured that you're here today to talk about, uh, you know, the industry, how it's been for you, language coaching, and how you see the future of the language industry. So, James, can you introduce yourself to our learners? And, sure, well, yeah. not well, only our learners, but also our listeners. <laughs> yeah, our listeners. Yeah. It's nice to be on the other side of the uh, microphone. Usually I'm interviewing people on my podcast, so it's nice to, uh, to, uh, to be on the other side. So I'm excited. Thank you for, uh, for my uh, offering this opportunity to me, uh, Rachel. My pleasure. Great to have you. So, yeah, I, I started, you know, about 25 years ago uh, teaching uh, English. Uh, and managing language schools. You know, I've taught all over the world. I started in Japan, and uh, I've trained teachers in uh, America, uh, Saudi Arabia, Brazil, Mexico, and, of course, Canada. I've taught at online schools. I've started an online school as well, um, and I started an amazing digital language camp for kids in Manhattan. That was That wow. was awesome, but most of my life was was uh, dedicated to uh, the Connect School of Languages. That was my language school in Toronto, Canada, and I was the CEO and founder for 16 years wow. uh, before I sold it about two years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, we had created the first paperless language school, and, uh, and of course, we created the study at ESL textbooks, and they're the first and still, still unbelievably, still only complete digital ESL textbook series that you can download on your iPhone, iPad, and Apple products through the iBookstore. So Fantastic. I'm really proud of the work that we did on the Study It series. It's still out there. And uh, we started that process in 2012, and we worked on those textbooks for, for three years in our school. And we really developed the textbooks, and we developed 23 different textbooks. We developed those textbooks because the, the, the content and the material were really outdated, and they're, they're just not good for uh, learners, and they're not good for teachers. And uh, we wanted to create something better, and from that, you know, we didn't we didn't realize what we were we were doing, and we didn't realize we were being very innovative, innovative. And we won the uh, the best digital textbook in the world wow. in 2016. And we were we were standing there alongside you know Star Wars creators and Scooby Doo creators Fantastic. in New York City. It was a, it was an amazing it was an amazing night. But you know, when I started, there were there were three basic textbooks that were the foundation of all language schools and one was how to teach english by jeremy harmer mm -hmm. one was the headway series and then the azar books <laughs> <laughs> yes. those those were the those were all, that, that that's about all that was out there when Gosh. we started and our goal was to create a textbook that offered some variety in terms of uh, pedagogy so this innovation that we pioneered kind of thrust me into into the limelight of the media and we got more and more media attention, and, and it kind of led me to harness that attention into my own podcast, The James Rice Show, to further discuss and debate 
educational topics specific to language teaching and meet wonderful people like you Ooh. who are also looking to innovate the way we teach. That's right. So that's right. how's that for a short bio? It's fantastic. And James, <laughs> I, you know, I think I want to say thank you on behalf of, you know, all of us involved in, in this language world because you have brought some great transformations. And I think there we have that feeling of embracing technology instead of it working against us. And you've really helped to harness and embrace it. So grateful for that. And, you you. know, I'm curious then, what do you feel have been the major changes in these 25 years? Sure. When I was in Asia, you know, about 25 years ago, Asia was doing a lot of innovation in terms of curriculum design, in terms of classroom size, in terms of experimentation. And when I returned to Canada, there was zero innovation going on. And, uh, you know, I'm proud to say that that as we we were part of a team of teachers that started the first school where we decided on a maximum class size of six students. And we started to specialize on specific skills because at that time in Canada and North America in general, uh, they were just teaching English. Uh, without focusing perhaps on pronunciation or focusing on idioms. When we created the first pronunciation course and we created the first idioms course and we created the first business English course, I mean, that wasn't happening. So um, what happened over that time period was, you know, some of the larger schools would either steal our teachers or our curricula and, uh, (laughs) you know, the there was a big challenge because our uniqueness, our uniqueness kind of quickly uh, disappeared and uh, we started to have to battle with some of the larger schools and, uh, and, and that's, that's what continues to happen here in North America is the larger chain schools um, growing in that area and eliminating some of that innovation that was happening in Canada. On the, on the plus side, you know, I see and I, I am seeing and continue to see incredible pedagogical improvements, yeah. uh, flipping the class, yes. project-based learning, yeah. mobile learning are three absolutely fantastic techniques that I love. And there are yeah. so many new ways to teach students nowadays that it is just incredible. And I, I love to go back into the classroom to, to play with these uh, new uh, teaching techniques, but on the negative side of the business that I see that has really changed is that governments have really eliminated, at least here in Canada and perhaps in in the UK too. I, I get the sense, and and I know in other parts of the world, the governments have really eliminated innovation. Uh, the large schools um, have had to join forces and. They've pretty much drowned out the independents that were out there that were forcing change on the industry. And, and it's because, um, you know, the, the accreditation system that is going on uh, has become overwhelming for independent schools. I mean, Toronto had upwards of 60 to 70 language schools in the, in the 90s. And now there's just there's just a handful uh, left now, you know. 
the the schools that are existing they're large box schools and internationally owned and i i don't want to be negative about them because they've had to do that to survive yes uh, because of the regulations have just become overwhelming and getting and keeping accreditation became my focus as a as a business owner as a language school owner and and it wasn't the student experience and uh you know the government has tremendous power to take away your license and, and and in fact when the government first started to do the accreditation in canada i was the third school to submit my application but when the release of the accredited schools happened the government made an error and did not include us on the list of accredited schools Goodness. and the result was several weeks trying to convince people we were accredited and the government had made a mistake. Well, that's really hard to do, right? (laughs) And and because we did not appear on that magical list, our school suffered for about six months. And, uh, you know, I hear about the the government um, stories that are happening in the UK with the TOEIC visa scandal and how devastating that must be for for schools. Uh, You know, so... Uh, from the business side, I see a lot of changes that are not positive for the student and teacher. But from the pedagogical side, I see a lot of amazing things happening um, for teachers and um, opportunities to be to create an amazing classroom for teachers. I worry about uh, the training programs. That is a worry that I have because essentially in order to get a job, you've got to pass through one of these um training programs and uh, and uh, I worry that there not there needs to be more innovation in the training of teachers yeah. um, so you know I, but I'm encouraged uh, by teachers that that are considering different kinds of training programs such as you know your language coaching training program right right and you know as you're talking I, I'm reminded um, about six weeks ago a lady called Alexandra um, wrote to me, and I actually asked uh, Alexandra's permission to to talk about what she had uh, written to me about, because she she really wrote me this very sad email saying, you know, how disappointed she was with the bureaucracy, with the fact that you know language learning had lost its magic for her as a teacher trainer because of all this bureaucracy, because of all this squeezing people into uh, uh, you know governmental required levels for universities or for whatever um, standards for schools, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And she was really about to leave the language teaching world, and then she said she she connected in and found uh, my coaching program and and she was so enthralled and and she felt that magic coming back and I think you know this is this is one thing James that you and I I think you know as as people that are passionate about languages and and bringing that to other people and, and getting communication going in the world and getting people understanding each other culturally and and as people you know what I'm hearing there is that you had real battles with the bureaucracy and the administration, and and I'm I'm amazed that you've still got that passion there after all that you've been through. Yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, I, I I still believe in that student experience that many teachers, and I know many teachers across Canada and and around the world, are doing incredible work, yes. and uh, yeah. sadly. Uh, the bureaucracy of either the government uh, forcing schools or the school schools being 
you know, large international conglomerates now, um, you know, are, are, are tapping down that, uh, that innovation. So, yeah. you know, I hope that the message can get out there. You know, you can still have an innovation department. You can still innovate uh, within your school. It may not be as rapid as it was happening in the past, but there still can be ways that schools can create pilot programs to test out uh, different methodologies and curricula and uh, mobile devices and all of these great tools that are available to uh, to uh, teachers and students nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Now, let's talk a little bit about this language coaching phenomena. What is language coaching for you? Yeah, so it's it's interesting because uh, I didn't know what I would call language coaching, but I was doing it until I until I met you and started following you a bit on on uh, online there and talking with you through our through our podcast conversations. I'm a big fan of the flipped classroom. Yes. Um, anything that eliminates the sage on the stage, yeah. I'm all for. And uh, I have always tried to innovate my classrooms when I was teaching and, and, and train teachers on the flipped classroom. And the flipped classroom, some people say, you know, you're a facilitator uh, on the side instead of a sage on the stage. That's kind of a, a, a flipped comment but actually what it what you are is a coach yes. you're actually a language coach and a language teacher you're you're both in in depending on the situations but when you are flipping your classroom um and i can give an example to teachers who may not be familiar with flipping the classroom i the way i teach present perfect and you know the grammar and we all worry about the grammar and oh my gosh can my students learn grammar and, and students feel i don't know how to use the present perfect and they they have this uh, this um, uh, fear of the present perfect and the way i teach is i flip it i i break up the class into different groups and i tell the each group that you are doing a different element uh, of the present perfect and you're going to be presenting you're going to be teaching us how to use the present perfect so one group might be doing the affirmative one would be the negative one would be question one uh, group might be doing yet versus already one might be doing for versus since and uh, and, and so we'd break up the class that way into groups and they would prepare to teach their students how to use the present perfect so this is all very technical and very language teaching oriented but what i found is where the coaching aspect comes in is number one the students are fearful of of a presentation they don't want to get up in front of the class they're shy they're fear they're they they want to make a video but they're afraid of being on a video they don't know how to use their mobile phones despite our our uh image that the, the kids of, of this generation know how to use their phones. They don't know how to use their phones for making and using productivity apps. They, have, they don't have that uh, skill. So we've got to teach them how to do that. And through that, of course, they're learning language, but we're coaching them in, in how to use the language and in new vocabulary. For yes. example, um, uh, I had a, a student from uh, China. He, he didn't know how to access the iTunes store in America or in Canada, and he, he needed to learn that vocabulary to download, how to, how to create a password. He didn't have that vocabulary uh, to 
to go on ahead and create the project that we had given him when we flipped the class. So it became a coach system of teaching them about digital literacy. So when I flip the class, I find out there's all of these problems and it's it can it can vary it can be as simple as shyness and and fear of getting in front of people it can be language related if we're talking about digital literacy and and trying to app smash putting different apps together uh and all of this becomes uh becomes part of the coaching aspect but i'm still teaching them the language which is the present perfect and i've i found that flipping the classroom opens you to be two parts language teacher and language and and coach in different aspects of what people need yes absolutely it's quite fascinating it is it is and you know it is this and uh, i i also will say that many um experienced are intuitively being coaches let's say i i do think that like yourself you know the the wealth of experience the wisdom that the knowledge that you have actually then gives you that sort of i'm going to say um freedom and peace of mind uh, to to sit back in your shoes and say right now i'm going to be a facilitator i've no need to be the sage on the stage because you are it you need to in in this generation that's coming up of, of young adults, because I'm dealing a lot with young adults right now, um, they are very independent learners, more so than perhaps learners from 10 years ago. And we can let them go as long as we, you know, uh, have that energy in a positive, productive way because they can get off. But uh, when you flip your classroom... Um, if you think of yourself as a coach rather than as a language teacher, I think you'll 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 find yourself having a lot more success with the students and just coaching them through it because they have been through many of the students have been through language classes in their country and have studied it in the you know in the in the manner of doing using all of those horrible workbook exercises. <laughs> they they know it, but they just can't use it. Yes. Yes, 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 absolutely. And um, I love the fact that you've brought up that, yes, our, our learners have changed. We are all different learners today. And Yeah, and you really see that with the, with the flipped classroom. Yes, and, and, yeah. And uh, so I'm talking, you know, if you have a larger classroom size of 20, 25 kids, sometimes when you hear the term language coaching, you think, oh, I can't be a language coach. A language coach is one-on-one or one-on-two. It's a small, and it's not. It's absolutely not. Yep. But if you are teaching it with the sage on the, on the stage style, yep. you, you can't be a language coach. That's not going to work. That's right. So you've got you've to adjust your model, uh, your teaching model, and, and the, the one that works best for language coaching and, and has the best results in my mind is when you flip that classroom, and then you've got 25 kids doing different elements and you are just moving around helping each one with all of those different uh struggles that they have with their with their language and it could be pronunciation you know they're they're, they've got to get up and and speak in front of the class and they're worried about you know their pronunciation it could be it could be as simple as how to get your password logged into for the itunes account (laughs) right right and we're reinforcing that old adage when you teach something that's when you really learn it yeah absolutely absolutely and yes. uh, uh i know the boy that i taught about how to create 
um, the password and downloading and things like that. He was he was the lowest student in the class. He was by far the weakest uh, in the class. And, you know, he was asking by by the time we were working through how to get his iTunes account set up, he was asking me questions like, can I use this for or what do you think about or how can I do naturally starting to flow out of his out of his mouth were questions that were very advanced and the teachers you know were were considering him at that basic level and i'm saying you know he's not he's just he's just needs he needs to access that he's got it in in his brain he's got to access it yeah and i think you you talk about that a lot you do a great job on how to access that yes and it is it it is each and every person each and every learner has that sort of entry point and we as coach facilitator experienced educator it's about us understanding that learner and yeah and 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 exactly and in this case this boy couldn't act when he was in language class studying english he couldn't access this language when we put him in a situation where he wasn't thinking about language he was just naturally talking to me about a different topic related to uh, his itunes account he was speaking naturally isn't that fascinating it is it is and it just goes to show that when we get people in the right uh, let's say topic the right sort of focus it flows and it does yeah magic happens and the language flows and 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 i think that's what that's the beauty of language coaching, and that's what I've learned from you, Rachel. Oh, goodness, James. <laughs> well, I'm curious. How do you think the future is panning out for the language learning business? Yeah, for me, uh, the future is basically two things. One is mobile devices, and the other is how content is going to be delivered to students. So I think those are the two um, uh, future trends o- over the next uh, 10, 10 years or so. And I think, I think mobile, mobile phones in the classroom are inevitable. And every time I hear about banning these devices by teachers, schools, and even countries like France, you know, it causes me tremendous concern. However, you know, this is not unusual for us in education to go through this. We did the exact same thing with the calculator. You know, the calculator was invented and became portable in the 60s, early 70s. And the entire 1970s, the debate was, should or do calculators belong in the classroom? Because it will ruin math classes. And how do we use it in classroom? And it took 10 years before, you know, the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics in in the USA finally pronounced that calculators should be used in all grades. So if we look at where we are, we're about five years into mobile devices in the classroom, and there's great, great anxiety among teachers and students, a great fear and among parents. So I say we have another another five years to go before acceptance, and then probably another five years after that before it it will become commonplace as as the pen. And, And, of course, the pen was was said to be the ruin of education in the 1950s. So, you know, it's just... A, it's, <laughs> right. It's, it's cyclical. Right. It's cyclical. And yes. I think the second part is is how we're going to deliver content. So how to deliver content is really going to determine how we teach and how schools will be better or worse, how students will learn. And uh, right now, I see a lot of schools that are fascinated with online platforms, people logging in and doing the work online. But I do not see this as the future. I see this as 
as the present. Um, it's quick, it's easy, and of course for schools it's easy money, and uh, and it makes them look like a 21st century school. And it's also easy for teachers to make money doing this online as well. Yeah. But I do not see this as as the future. Um, and I see students, they're, they're already tired of this, and they do not see it as innovative. Um, but I see advancements in the virtual reality classroom. That seems really cool, but it's a little cost prohibitive right now. Yeah. Um, I love, of course, interactive uh, textbooks. They have tremendous possibilities where we're giving the knowledge to the students to download and keep, and uh, we're giving that information to teachers, and we can constantly update those uh, interactive textbooks that are that are available. And I see right now, of course, Apple's Apple's iBooks have the uh, have the edge on the competitors, but there are new. Uh, new developments being made by other uh, uh, programmers and developers there. So I see that as a, as a huge opportunity as opposed to uh, keeping the information up online in a cloud. I, I love the idea of giving that information and then updating it, you know, yearly, monthly, weekly. Mm-hmm. You can do that now. Yes. And it doesn't have to be uh, a paper textbook that never changes over five years and, and burns out, burns out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the teachers, you know, if you get, if, you know, we taught headway at our school before the digital textbooks for eight years and, you know, teachers burned out on that. Right, right. So, you know, what you're saying here is, is really that we need to be uh, keeping that balance between the human touch and embracing that technology in a very positive way. Oh, absolutely. And that's a fantastic way to put it, uh, because I, I am concerned about those students doing stuff online yeah. and uh, they're losing that human touch. Yes. Yes. And, and, and everything that can be done online can be done in an interactive textbook with a teacher uh, or a facilitator or people like yourself mm. working with them through it. And uh, we don't because it, uh, communication is about humans, human to humans, you know, talking. Absolutely. And we're wired to connect. You know, our brains are, are wired to connect with each other socially. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Well, James, honestly, it was a great honor for me to hear all about your experience, to hear what you uh, think about the market at the moment and how you think the future will be. And I have to say that I'm going to be listening to your podcasts um, all the time because I know you have some great podcasts over there. And I'm going to say to my listeners, do uh, connect with James Rice. His podcasts are fantastic over in Canada. And just to say thank you, James, for being here today. Well, thank you very much, Rachel. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. And I'm excited because I definitely want to come and see you when I come to Canada. Absolutely. Love to have you. (laughs) Thank you, James. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And bye to my listeners. And, well, hopefully you will join me for the next podcast. Bye-bye.